Oh, hang on. Oh, got a hydrate. Well, and Wet I the whistle. To, I have to take the cap off so <laughs> yeah, I don't so do the during the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that'd be bad. I'm Todd Lyons. I'm Natalie Crandall. I'm Keith Colburn. And this is the Innovate On Demand podcast. Lessons can be learned anytime and in any circumstances, but sometimes the most transformational experiences can happen when we hit rock bottom, when we feel like we've lost everything and perhaps lost ourselves. What's most important in life can become incredibly clear. Thank you. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for being here today. I think you have a bit of a story to tell us. Yeah, I can talk about um, my work uh, for the RCMP and uh, my career in the public service. And more recently about how personal changes and personal growth have led to professional changes and professional growth. Well, that sounds interesting. So uh, I work for the uh, RCMP currently. Uh, I've been with them about two years. This past year, I've been at the Canadian Digital Service. Uh, we've partnered with them uh, to work on a public reporting tool for victims of cybercrime. As I've progressed in that work, I mean, I don't know how much your audience knows about Canadian Digital Service, but they're a branch of Treasury Board. And their whole goal is to partner with departments to modernize the ways uh, and tech that they use and work with. But prior to this... Um, I had worked for maybe 10 years for national defense, uh, and before that I worked with Service Canada for a number of years, always as a developer. And um, I find the work uh, as a developer to be pretty isolating, not a lot of connection with people, and that kind of wore on me after after a number of years. Not a lot of collaboration, not a lot of uh, personalization, um, not a lot of connecting with others. So I can tell you a couple of years ago, I went through a major depression in my life. I had a major episode of depression that resulted in a hospitalization. And that has basically been a complete, completely sobering event for me in my life and led to a lot of changes. I started thinking about ways that I could maybe change aspects about my job, not necessarily change careers, but I started making some changes. Uh, so I switched uh, departments, for instance. Uh, I went from uh, DND to RCMP. I joined uh, Occupational Health and Safety Committee. Uh, I became a peer-to-peer advisor. I started volunteering and networking uh, with people. And I started, through these kind of extracurricular activities, just started having more of enjoyment out of my work. And uh, people that I would meet through those avenues would introduce me to other ways of working or other connections, even in my, my tech work. But yeah, to get back to the hospitalization, so I was in, in hospital for depression. And of course, I, there was a lot of, you know, self soul searching, you know, not to use a cliche, but, and then after that, I went through a six week day hospital program aimed at cognitive change. And it was in this program, it contained a lot of, Group therapy, every day we had group therapy sessions. And the biggest takeaway I had from that is how much empathy I was able to 
cultivate for, for other people. Um, you know, listening to somebody that tried to commit suicide the day before can kind of help put your own stuff in perspective, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I've been able to take that empathy and apply it to my work, most notably with trying to build a digital product for users, trying to think about what the users want. But also in terms of the work I've done with the Canadian Digital Service, for a long time I was the lone representative on the RCMP team that was co-located at CDS. And I'd like to think I helped my team try to better understand what a department is going through. They're not super ready for change. You know, they're not written like totally gung-ho. They might say they want it, but CDS is very much, yeah, let's change, let's change, let's change. And they're working at the speed of, of light compared to a lot of government departments. And um, having that empathy, I think, uh, is great for both sides when you're in a capacity building type situation. And as a result of this work, I mean, it, CDS works in they work on digital products, so they have a user design research, they have a service design and product management approach. And as a result, I, I, I started as a developer, and then because my boss got promoted, I started acting in her position, and I became a team lead. But it became pretty apparent over a period of time that I was not really doing team lead or project management. I was starting to do product management. And... Uh, as a result, I want I was really falling in love with this discipline, and I applied to be a, a part of the 2020 Code for Canada Fellowship as a product manager, and I'm happy to say that I was successful in that uh, with Transport Canada and the Marine Safety Unit in doing product management. So, um, congratulations! That's really, that's good. really oh, thank that's you. a huge accomplishment. Cool. Good thank for you. you. So yeah, it's been kind of a one step leading to the next, basically based on me wanting to make some changes in my current work instead of just, I don't want to blow the whole thing up, but let me start putting my hand up. And this happened at RCMP. They were basically, there was a kind of a vague call for interest that came out about this new, newly formed National Cybercrime Coordination Unit. And I simply was like, hey, what's this? I'm interested. Please tell me more. And the next day they're like, hey, you're, you're going to the NC3 and you're going to be on cybercrime. So that led to CDS and CDS kind of led to Code for Canada. And we'll see what uh, what's next after that. But uh, yeah, it all for me. It all came from as a result of personal catharsis in my, you know, mental health. Yeah. So that that moment of introspection, I guess, that we all, right. you know, have many of those in our lives. Mm-hmm. They can be big. They can be small. But uh, I, I find it really. First of all, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think it's so no problem. Um, important that we share these stories. But I'm particularly interested in something that you said, sure. which is. How your personal journey taught you uh, how to bring empathy to your work. Yeah. Which, when I think about digitization and I actually think about what we want our future of work to be, the reason mm-hmm. empathy is really so important is because really digitization to me is about how we bring people back to the process, right? And I we agree. need to consider yeah. those people, yeah. consider all the perspectives and how we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's that's maybe the most powerful thing I've heard today. Oh wow! Um, so thank you very much for that. I think that's really that's really interesting. And um, so, can you give us an example, maybe, of how mm-hmm. you're using that empathy at work to actually okay. improve your working conditions, and maybe you know also right. some of the some of the the results you're getting? Uh, yeah. So at the Canadian Digital Service, we do a lot of user design research. 
We've done a, a number of research sessions with victims uh, of cybercrime or potential victims of cybercrime. And a lot of the research has pointed us in a direction that, well, say if you were a victim of malware or phishing, we still want to get your report, but there not, might not necessarily be much we, that we can do about it as the we, as in being the police of jurisdiction mm -hmm. or the RCMP. But what we found out that victims want uh, may not necessarily be action from police, but they want to be heard and they want to know that what they experience is a crime and they want maybe some emotional reassurance around that. So we've tried to build em uh, emotional reassurance into the, into the product in terms of our clear language, uh, in terms of expectations that people can, uh, you know, expect f right up front when they, when they report. And so now we're in the process of testing. We've got just moved from an alpha to a beta phase. And we're going to start collecting real reports soon from the, the public. And we're testing whether or not these emotional reassurance hypotheses are, are is going to be something that's going to be effective with users, but also uh, result in them giving more information that's going to be more helpful for police jurisdiction to be able to investigate crime. And from hmm. my point of view, that whole thing has been started with let's put the users first and, yeah. and have empathy for what they for what they want in order to get what we want as as police. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really fun and rewarding work. I love that moment. I know for me, uh, I can identify those moments in my life too, where all of a sudden I'm on a new path, and and very quickly I see I'm on I'm on a, a better path than the one I was on before. Okay, yeah, and that very that's cool. a really satisfying yeah. thing. So, what would you say to somebody who is in the situation at work where they feel, you know, very isolated, yeah. and where the people around them are? seemingly okay with that and there isn't a lot of collaboration so what what advice could you give to someone to help them on the journey that you've taken it's very i guess against my nature to think that i'm in a position to to give some kind of advice or or you know in a leadership position i'd like to think i'm much more on the humility side but i i, I feel i do have a bit of a story to tell so um I, i'm grateful to have that opportunity I would say do whatever you can that's in your control to reach out, even if it's joining some GC Connects groups or um, there's an active Twitter community now around civic tech. Join the discussion. Just get involved. And I know that as a developer, it tends to be very much an introverted culture. Um, and it's kind of hard to go against that that's your if it's in your nature but if that is really something you want is to connect with other people then you kind of have to step out of your your comfort zone you i guess you have to weigh what's more important to you um, yeah. if you want to feel uh if if you're fine uh, just working on a computer and, and coding all day that's great that's awesome but for me i i wasn't and i needed i wouldn't to even make it through, through 10 minutes okay. <laughs> right and i just As Todd I, laughs, yeah. because i can't even no. sit still for a podcast <laughs> yeah um so I, I mean i guess it depends on what what motivates you and if you really do want yeah. to connect with people then you've kind of got to do something about it and you've got to take the first step out just kind of go out there and do yeah. it yeah ask somebody to go for coffee yeah. um I mean, I, that's probably sounds like a cheesy thing, but I've done it and it, you feel, I feel awesome after. I'm extremely introverted and it's very easy for me to get sucked into stuff like spending, I, I don't develop code. I do develop sound, 
Right. So I can spend right. all day in an editor and, yeah. and and not notice that like seven hours have gone by and I yeah. haven't moved barely. Yeah. And um, the strange thing is that sometimes I I get so engrossed in the work I don't notice the effect that it's sort of having on me. The the right. the fact that because I am comfortable being alone doesn't mean that I that it's healthy for me to be alone. Right. Or right. or or that uh, the, the amount of time that I spend alone. You know, isn't having a detrimental effect as far as just making me feel bad inside that I don't notice until it's sort of too late and I'm already kind of right. feeling that sort yeah. of drained, depressed sort of affect. And then if you do that every day, then obviously it's going to snowball, right? Yeah. And the yeah. people around me, sometimes they don't remind me. Uh, sometimes they're only feeling the effect of my behavior, like the fact that I am grumpy or, and I'm right. yeah. I'm drained yeah. and stuff. They sort of feel rejected by me, and it has a tendency to sort of spiral. So, right, yeah, it is kind of hard though to sort of stop that from happening, and to sort of reach out and and interact with other people to sort of break out of that cycle, yeah, so that you can yeah. sort of bring up your 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 mood. Yeah, yeah. It's like something I've said in therapy before. I heard this line somewhere else, and I was telling my therapist that like this, the whole depression was kind of like a great gift wrapped up in horrible packaging you know mm. but and then and then he said to me well wouldn't it have been nice if you didn't have to go through all that so uh you know in order to reach that level of empathy or in order to find uh, more happiness than i currently had at yeah. the time um which i think was a pretty good point so if these words that i'm saying can help somebody just reach out and talk to someone then that'd be great if it stopped somebody from having to go through a horrible depression or something like that you know can you think of yeah. a safe person that that uh you can reach out to like you because it's sort of spiraled out of control to the point of hospitalization right. yeah. you had people that sort of became part of of, yeah. of the help yeah. for someone that's kind of just on the edge there yeah um i guess Hopefully, you have some sort of a family that you could reach out to. Oh, um, but if yeah. not, then like yeah. a friend that is sort of aware of what yeah, your tendencies are. And I mean, are. it doesn't have to be super heavy. I mean, a lot of people might be get scared off by talking about mental health issues. Yeah. Um, you can just just talk about anything. Just socialize, you know, with a friend. Or uh, if you don't have someone like that in your life, you can call it a, a, a distress center uh, of Ottawa or Ontario. And that's not the same as a crisis line. A distress line is just someone, they're there to just to talk, just to chat. Uh, a crisis line is obviously, okay, if you, maybe not obviously, but if you're having suicidal ideations or something like that, you would call. Uh, there's a difference there. I'm not sure a lot of people might know, might not know the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that's always that's available. Distinction. Yeah. There are free walk-in clinics, for instance, mental health walk-in clinics that you can go to. In the RCMP, I became a peer-to-peer -peer advisor. So a lot of workplaces will have something like that, a peer support program, where uh, these people are available just, just to chat with you if you want to talk. Not necessarily about this, but just about aspects of your work or life or anything. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of departments uh, have programs like that. As you went through your struggle, did you ever encounter public servants who uh, or people in your entourage who were able to identify my entourage and uh, and and help you along? I guess in the public service. Yeah, like what are signs that somebody a public servant could look for in their colleagues, and what are things they oh, might right. do? What 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 could have been really mm -hmm. beneficial to you? Well, it's hard for me to make the connection specifically to work because mm -hmm. my this particular episode of depression. 
was not really work related. It was like a mm-hmm. life event related. Yeah. I would, I went through a, like a toxic relationship, and uh, there was also some trauma from um, a number of years ago. I I was my ex wife and I discovered a murder suicide, and that kind of left like a traumatic imprint uh, on us both. Certainly, yeah. And wow. These were friends yeah. of ours, so there were some external oh, factors yeah. there. But I I mean I guess in, if you're working with somebody, and you can notice they have a notice a noticeable change in their their demeanor. If you have a relationship with them already, you can yeah. certainly you don't have to come up and say, "Hey, I know you're not looking the best," but you can just check in and say, "Hey, how's it going?" You want to you can take the initiative to ask them if they want to go for a walk or get coffee or mm-hmm. anything, just to show them that you're there. Yeah, just bring and them you, that and empathy to the workplace. Yeah, and you don't <laughs> have to bring anything up. You just can be there, and if yeah. they feel like they want to talk, they will. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I'd love to invite you as you're out there doing Code for Canada, if mm-hmm. you ever. Um, feel like you want to come back again oh, to see us here at Innovate on Demand That'd and be very uh, fun, talk yeah. a little bit about what that experience is like. We'd love to hear you then cool. too. I would love to. Yeah. On you. the topic of sort of veering into the mental health mm-hmm. discussion, I was actually, I was relieved and happy when it started to become something that it became okay to discuss right. in the context of the workplace. Yeah. At the same time though, I have to say that I've always sort of felt concern that it's a fad. It's it's right. a temporary yeah. situation where mm-hmm. it's it's trendy and topical to acknowledge the fact that that this yeah. is something that's concerned about, yeah. and the fact that there was some period of time where it was actively being discussed in podcasts and communications and such yeah. uh, happened. That that now yeah. we don't need to discuss it anymore. Right. Yeah. Whereas I'd like to think that it can be it it just becomes part of normal conversation, yeah. and it's something that people can continue to sort of revisit. Anytime, and there's still that that uh, environment of safety where people realize that yeah. it's okay to to confide in someone at work, whether it's a friend or whether it's you know a person that that's taken on that role within yeah. their work group or someone on just on the floor Absolutely. Um, that mm-hmm. can give you like f- ten minutes or something or, or or as much time as you need in the middle of your day. Yeah. So. Yeah, as something we've started doing. Um, a practice that I learned at the Canadian Digital Service is when a lot of meetings will start, we'll have a traffic light protocol exercise. And that's basically before you get into the meeting, you'll say how you're feeling in terms of red, red, green, or yellow. So yellow is kind of like you're just in the middle. Red, you're in kind of like the stressed out danger zone. And, and green, you're A-OK. So that just that everyone else has kind of an idea where you're coming from, where you're at. You don't have to really get into details about it, but yeah. just so, yeah. Do people really feel safe to be able to say that they're feeling red? I mean, I mean, it all comes from uh, I think it, from the senior management, from leaders. If they if they encourage that kind of uh, behavior in meetings, do they use this same system? And do they have bad days where they say, I, "I'm having a red day"? Yeah, I'm the I'm the supervisor, I'm the director, or whatever like that. But it's it's a red day for me. Yeah, I've I've seen it. Um, I've only done this at CDS, so but I've I've definitely seen it there. Good. Um, I think you can lead by example there for sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's really interesting. This is actually making me think of of something, a lesson that I've learned recently sitting here in the room with you guys and feeling very much like the extrovert right. in the room. Uh, I had a very dear colleague of mine That's whose true. name is Helen, Helen Daniels okay. um, introduce a concept on our team uh, for team meetings and for okay. our team working sessions where we all had a discussion ahead of time about a concept called your caucus score. Okay. In a meeting, and that uh, was an was an opportunity for each person to do some self re- reflection and then speak about it with right. the team around like 
do I feel like I'm heard often? Do I feel like it's easy to interject and all of that? And as we had that conversation, I had that moment of, oh my goodness, it was one of the first times that I saw things from a different perspective because I interject in all the time and I feel very comfortable to speak. And, and I realized in that moment that even though I can be very, I'm very collaborative person and all of that, that there could be things that I'm doing in my enthusiasm that are actually Uh, limiting other people's space. Uh, And through that exercise that we did, we've actually um, come up with, and Helen has now left and moved on to another team, but we've actually uh, kept her practices that that we've adopted in the team. And, you know, we determine a speaking order ahead of time. We make sure we call out to each person oh, so everyone has cool. a chance. People can say, no, I'm good. I have nothing to say. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know? I really like the idea of the speaking order ahead of time because if you're an introvert, you may not want to raise up your hand. But Certainly. if you know you have your spot coming, like a take a number yeah. comment, then you'll, that's much and easier. And it also yeah. like – allows me not to feel like I have to interject right now, like right. to remind me that yeah, we have to settle down yeah, and stop right. thinking it's, about what you're going to say and awesome. stop and listen and absorb what's being said right. now because you're yeah. going to have your turn later. Because you're all in the zone and you want to yeah. Like, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. one of those, you know, I've had a few really big life lessons uh, in terms of like those kinds of things in my career. One of my first ones was, you know, again, around my enthusiasm and passion, but also like I can be very vocal if I'm unhappy about things and realizing like that whole, that whole side of it also means I can bring, I can bring everyone up, but I can bring everyone down too. You know, and those, those are the days I, I like to think that particular lesson I feel like is the day I started opening the door to becoming a manager. Right. Uh, in government, when I really understood that how much impact I had on my colleagues around me uh, was for me a really powerful lesson in leadership. But it, it Back a to lot empathy of that is again, that, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just yeah, really cool. interesting to see that other perspective. Neat, yeah. So it's kind of like, did you do that after uh, your meeting? Like, was that kind of like at the end of the meeting? It was almost like a retrospective, or no? Actually, I'm just thinking in terms so, of IT and agile mm-hmm. development. Interestingly yeah. enough. So the, the, those two lessons were completely separated. Sorry, Todd, by about uh, eight years or something. Uh, okay. But the, in terms of the caucus score, uh, no, Helen actually brought it up before a meeting. Oh, okay. okay. So it had nothing to do with previous meetings. Right. It was okay. like, I've been thinking about something. Here's a really good idea oh, and I'd like something we could explore. So no one really had to feel, uh, you know, targeted or challenged. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Very cool. It was really good. Good idea. Yeah. Thank right. you. Keith, thanks so much for coming in today. Thank Thank I really enjoyed our talk. Yeah, me too. Thank me you. Me too. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Innovate On Demand, brought to you by the Canada School of Public Service. Our music is by Grapes. I'm Todd Lyons, producer of this series. Thank you for listening. 